We all want to experience healthy love and be the best version of ourselves in relationships. And it's especially hard when you find yourself exiting something that has felt painful, not knowing where you went wrong, how you stayed for so long, and why you feel so unlike yourself anymore which is why I'm so passionate about my group coaching program, Becoming, designed to help you work through the mindfuck of confusing relationships alongside women who get it so that you can rewire to secure, mature, healthy relationships together. This is your time to step outside of the self-help books and be held as you actually become the woman who not only can attract the emotionally available man who's doing his own work, but actually hold that healthy love because you have the tools to navigate it healthfully. This work is for you to call in that mature partnership and family that is waiting on the other side. Enrollment is happening now in January, and there are four spaces available. So go to briewolta.com backslash becoming to submit your interest form today. Welcome to this episode of Lucid Living with Brie, Learn to Live and Love Awake. I am your host, Brie Walta, and today I have Jamie Madsen, an online business coach and a wonderful woman who I've been introduced by another wonderful woman who's also been on the podcast. Um, we both share a love for Brandy. Yes. Isn't that how that works? Yeah. I mean, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Being- it's really referred by someone that you trust and love to meet another person that you come to trust and love. Yeah. The yeah. best way. <laughs> I, I talk about like those of us who have been through some, some sort of toxic relationship. It's like this, this club that you'd never want to be a part of, but once you're in it, you're like, you, this person's like, Oh, you got to meet this person. You got to talk to this person. Like she's been through it too. And yeah. it's just, there's so many more people who have had this experience than I know that I ever thought I would meet. I would agree. And so many different varieties too, mm-hmm. from from personal romantic relationships to parents and siblings and coworkers and partners, so many different things. It's it's incredible to see how many different people are affected by um unhealed people. Oh yeah. And sometimes multiple, right? <laughs> multiple of the above. We've got the, the yeah. romantic relationship and the coworker and the family member and, That's right. and, you know, us being sort of primed to put up with certain behaviors from certain people that makes total sense that we would see that in different parts of our life. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And like you said, it's on a, it's on a spectrum. So we have, we have some that have been with full-on narcissists, some that are just with people who are, you know, acting out their wounding. In- a smidge, yeah. <laughs> a smidge, yeah. Yeah, which is why it's so important to do this type of introspective work so that we're not just spewing all of our shit on everybody else. Yeah. Well, I, I would say, and I think you would agree with me, that it's it's safe to say we all have to do that work. Yeah. No matter what side of the spectrum you're on, whether you're the victim or the narcissist, or you're you're teetering in the middle and playing a little bit of both, and you have unhealed wounds. And mm-hmm. I heard someone say once before, we all have a little bit of narcissism. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we all have a little bit of that selfish mm-hmm. nature, and that's just that's also just being a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't get through our life without trauma, without wounding, without adopting these beliefs about ourselves or other people or love yeah. or money or whatever it is that we, that's affecting our life the most in the moment. So yeah, whatever happened is not our fault. 
but it is our responsibility to look yeah. back at it and be like, oh, how is that directing my life now? Yeah. 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 It's kind of the point. <laughs> I mean, when I think about just life in perspective, life as a, as a whole perspective, like we are all, we all have to heal. We all have to take responsibility. And like we said, you know, there's different sides of the spectrum. There's different levels to it. Um, and I think a lot of people get offended by, um, someone, you know, calling them out on their bullshit. Um, but the, the sooner that you can start to take responsibility for even the things that that's caused you to become the victim, Mm-hmm. that's one of the hardest things too, where you've been the victim of narcissistic abuse or, or physical abuse or emotional abuse, whatever, whatever that might be. Um, that was one of the hardest things that I had to accept was I had to take responsibility for putting myself in that situation and I for know. staying as long as I did. Yes. Yeah. So. I, I still remember the moment vividly in my experience where I was like, Oh fuck. Like I have to take accountability for not setting the boundaries, for enabling certain behaviors, for all the things that I did that helped feed the fire. It's like, yes, he did some horrific things. And there's also pieces that I can take accountability for. And that was the moment where I was like, this is going to be a long road. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, this is, yeah, it's going to be a very long long, rocky road. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What helped you come to that sort of awareness in your journey? Oh, wow. Oh gosh. So, so many different moments and times, you know, it's even hard. You know, I talk about this in business a lot because, um, as you know, I'm, I'm in business online business coach and we do a lot of branding and storytelling and identifying your brand story. And I kind of, you know, I, I think about it the same way because, it's so hard to pinpoint just one moment in time. Like what was that one moment in time when everything changed? Yeah. Um, and I mean, there were many moments. There were many moments between parental alienation that season where I didn't see my daughter for two months. And uh, goodness, yeah, just trying to get back up on my feet as a single mom mm-hmm. um, and entering a new relationship and having a second daughter, um, in my new relationship with my amazing partner and spouse, he's the best. Um, there were many moments, I think, especially when I had my second daughter too. And when, you know, being a single mom, raising my first daughter, realizing like, it's up to me, it's up to me to heal. Um, actually I would say one of the times that really things started to change for me and I started to, to feel a sense of awakening Mm -hmm. was when I started therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say that's when I started to wake up to some of these things I didn't even know were an issue. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, 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 I just, just through those conversations realized, wow, I have so much more healing to do than I even realized. <laughs> yeah. Well, having that outside person be able to help you make sense of things and reflect back what your reality has been and maybe help you see that like, oh, that way of growing up was traumatic or because yeah. you might not know that you might yeah. not because it's just your normal. Yeah. So until we start to ask questions and become curious and, and challenge just our like day-to-day knowing of what our life is and then we will stay asleep so 
yeah, that, that well, that's it. Right. Isn't it? I think you hit the nail on the head with curiosity. Yeah. Curiosity is the key. It's the portal to healing without curiosity, without resentment. Yeah. E- even if it's for your parents, you know, and the thing to remember is that our parents did our, did their best. Yeah. They did the best that they could with what yeah. they had and the yeah. tools and the knowledge that they had. Um, but it's, it's just, it's more for the awareness for mm-hmm. us to mm-hmm. recognize the spiritual ties that were the chains that are our responsibility to break. Yeah. But it's that, that, that point of just being curious without resenting who did this. Cause at the end of the day, ultimately everything that's happening in our lives, it's, it's a reflection of us. It's a reflection mm-hmm. of self. What's what's within. So, Yeah. 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 And back to the point of the parents doing their best, it's like, they might be doing something for one intention and we might be interpreting it as a whole different story. So that's how we, we pack in these beliefs and these traumas into our body where it's like, you know, my mom was doing her best and she was a single mother and was trying to, you know, get me to the things I wanted to do, but told me I couldn't do dance. Right. Or whatever the case is. And then as a child, you interpret that as you're bad yeah. or you're not yeah. good enough or, or you're stressing yeah. mom out. Like mm-hmm. we create understanding around experiences that as yes. humans, we do that. So yeah. we have to go back and, and unpack the things that we have yeah. like solidified in, in stone. Yep. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful that you brought that up. It, even just for my, my own continued healing journey and awareness, um, being that I have two daughters, I have two daughters and a stepson and they're amazing kids. They are just amazing kids. Um, but they're, you know, I, I think back over the last few years of my healing journey and, um, you know, I went through a divorce and there was a lot, there was a season of like, I've got to get back up on my feet. I've got to, I've got to support myself. I've got to support my kids. I've got to, you know, not only that, but I, I want to figure out what I'm here to do. What, what am I meant for? What's my purpose here on earth? So there's been a lot of that you know, just really diving deep into that work. And um, it's very easy to use it as an escape, as an outlet, especially, you know, I um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the wealth dynamic profiles. Have you ever taken that oh. test, that examination? Uh-huh. It's amazing, especially if you're in business, if you're leading a team, um, if you have an organization or anything like that, it really helps to just help you figure out where you sit on the on the spectrum of leadership cool, and kind of like where you, where you fit well into business, how you can support people. There's the supporter, there's the mechanic, um, there's the star, uh, the creator, um, and the creator is kind of like right at the top of the profile. They're the, the Walt Disney's and the, um, Oh, what's his name? Uh, who invented Apple? <laughs> oh, Jobs. Um- Steve Jobs, yeah, thank yes. you. I had a brain fart too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Steve Jobs of the world. And turns out, I'm a creator. And Ah. so something, it was very, another, you know, great, just piece of awareness as I, Mm -hmm. you know, you're building your life and designing your life. And so I I learned that about myself through the season where I was just like hustle, hustle, hustle. And Mm -hmm. I mean, first thing in the morning, I'm on my phone up until late, late at night where the kids are, you know, playing around and I'm hiding, locking myself in the bedroom to Mm -hmm. try to continue working on my stuff without setting those boundaries. And so that's been a huge piece of awareness for me. Um, And being able to connect the dots between my parents and 
their behavior and yeah. now my behavior and just really, yeah, just giving yourself that, that gut check that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, having those realizations that we might be repeating cycles here. <laughs> and that's how you interrupt the, the generational trauma. Yeah. Right. Like generational trauma, part of how it's passed down is the dysregulation of the nervous system. So if my mom was dysregulated, she became dysregulated because she never got regulation from her mom. Yeah. Right. And if my mom's dysregulated, she can't regulate me because kids need the co-regulation. So therefore I become dysregulated and then need to adopt all of these maladaptive ways to try to regulate and try to feel loved and comforted. Wow. And it's just, it's so, it's, like obvious, I guess, when you look at it that way of like, oh yeah, this is how we pass it down. <laughs> like, yeah. And if one generation decides to do their work and look at their stuff and regulate and use the tools to help like not have to be in the same, the same um, cycle, yeah. then you, you provide that for your kids and all of the future generations. Wow. Yeah. It's so powerful. Yeah. It's where, it's where grace plays a huge role is that awareness and curiosity without resentment, because we know that this, it doesn't stop and end with them. Um, my mom is, uh, one of 15 children. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, Born and raised in England, Northern England, um, North of, uh, London, Wow. And uh, her parents both died when she was nine years old, a month apart from each other. Wow. And uh, they both had cancer. One died. And then a month later, the other, I honestly don't even know in which order. Wow. Um, yeah. Really tragic, super tragic story. A lot of trauma, um, a lot of sense of abandonment. But with that also came the Cinderella story because she was placed in a home with one of her older siblings and his wife who were very abusive. And so through this journey, the last few years, that story has come up a lot, a lot. It just really unpacking it all. And my mom and I have a fantastic relationship. We, we talk several times a week and she's one of my best friends, but there was a long time where it was like, you know, why is she, why is she that way? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And questioning like, you know, this isn't, fair for her to, you know, and this, this behavior doesn't make sense. And, and then, but when you, when you apply grace and, and you look at the bigger picture, start to realize that this is not what she's carrying is not her, what I'm carrying. This is not me. Yes. This is not mine. I say that all the time. If I start to feel um, a sense of anger or resentment or passive aggression, bitter and any of those like yucky behaviors that we just try to avoid as best as we can, but we're still human. Right. And I think that awareness when that comes up is like, Oh, wait, this is not mine. It's not my mom's either. It's not my dad's. It's not, you know, this is just programming. Yeah. Yeah. And it's my responsibility to change it, not point fingers. Yes. Yes. And thank you for taking that responsibility for yourself and your children, because a lot of parents don't right? A lot of parents act out in their trauma and cause a lot of pain and then don't understand how they've hurt other people. Yeah. So you being aware and being willing to be like, oh, I just acted passive aggressively. Like, let me, let me rewind. Let me make amends to whoever I need to, you know, make amends with, clear the conversation and then move forward. And that's how we 
that's how we are human with children too, right? It's yeah. like, I'm going to make mistakes, yeah. but I'm going to circle back and make sure you're okay. And we're going to talk about it instead yeah. of, instead of leaving you to make up a story about whatever that situation was. Wow. I remember my mom, when Ruth, my older daughter, she'll, she'll be seven next year when Ruth was, I don't know, three, two or three, you know, the age that they really start to have lots of temper tantrums. My mom said something to me. She was like, wow, I'm so just impressed at how you get down to her level and you're able to reason with her at that age. That's incredible. And I'm like, you know, a lot of that has come from just unpacking the the trauma and stuff. And I also, um, you know, had experience in the past working in childcare centers. And so Uh, I learned, I learned some, from some really great role models before having children of my own, what to do, what not to do. You know, um, I was raised in a household where there was a lot of yelling, Mm -hmm. um, not quite the same anymore. Obviously my parents have grown up quite a bit and we've all kind of outgrown and forgiven, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, that was something that was huge for me. I'm like, this is, this ends with me. Yeah. And so, you know, when it comes to parenting, especially any relationship, honestly, it's like, can you take responsibility Mm -hmm. and deliver the why that's the, that's, it's that simple. You can deliver the why with so many parents are like, no, because I said so. Yes. Right. And it ends there because I said so. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, we want to, we want to raise intelligent, thoughtful, kind, caring humans in this world who mm-hmm. aren't holding resentment because that re- that that feeling that I give them of shutting them down and making them feel powerless and like they don't have a voice is going to stimulate this that that same sensation, that same thought, that same reaction for them as they get older when they become an adult and they start businesses and they have partnerships and then people trigger them and they're like, why am I so triggered by this? And they're reacting in ways that they don't understand, but it's because they feel that sense of powerlessness. Mm -hmm. And so it's our responsibility, especially at this young age, I think, what is it up until like age seven or eight is like the, where they're really just like being imprinted with this subconscious. (laughs) You're just programming, just like downloading information. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's our responsibility to not just say, because I said so, I'm explaining the, the deeper reasoning behind it. If you take that, just that extra 60 seconds to help them understand why you're making this decision, include them in the decision. Yeah. It changes everything. Yeah. It changes everything. And, and that piece too, of like, not, if a child is screaming, they're dysregulated. And if you, if you come at them with anger, you're also dysregulated. So there's no regulation that can happen when both parties are up here. If the kid's up here and you meet them here, then they have a chance to come down to your level, right? And co-regulate. And so, and again, I don't have kids. So like I'm saying this all from like the outsider's point of view, but when you can meet kids where they are in that way, it helps them also learn that it's safe. Yeah. And that they're not going to get in trouble for having a feeling, which could start a whole, a whole lifetime of not, not expressing your feelings or not feeling like you're worthy or, you know, it's, there's a big cascade that can happen on the other side of that. That's right. Yeah. 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 I I love that you make the point of regulation Mm -hmm. because I think that's, that's so essential. Uh, I never really looked at it that way, if I'm being honest, but I mean, regulation is so, I actually saw, um, a content creator share this. It might've been even like a year ago. 
where she was uh, co-parenting and she was talking about when her kids come home from her ex-husband, the first thing that she does is turn on music and they have a dance party and she helps them to regulate the nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's something we've applied that several times. Unfortunately, my youngest has not, or my oldest has not seen her daughter in a while, but, um, you know, that's still something that we do. It doesn't just have to be when they come back, but it could also be, um, just when they're feeling sad, (laughs) when they're feeling sad, when they're feeling angry, it's like, you know, little cues and things that we can do to help them reset the nervous system. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. They don't know how to do that yet. Right. That's, those are things that we learn. So when you're little, you have to be, you have to be taught. And if you're taught by absence of having the thing, that's also learning how to be, how to not be regulated. That's right. So yeah, I think that's, that's incredible. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your story. We've touched on some pieces of your, your first daughter and the divorce. And so fill us in a little bit on, on what that experience was like to be with your ex. Really do have to go back to the beginning to really understand the the evolution of myself (laughs) and how I ended up to where I am today. Because the thing about it is, as I mentioned, I, I'm a creator on the wealth dynamic profile, which means I've always been that way. And I can speak to that. I've always sort of been a visionary, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've had the, the dream of, of just living life to the fullest. It makes sense that I'm an entrepreneur today, yeah. but, um, back when I was much younger and wasn't sure what I was going to do with my life yet, it, it acted out in the form of moving across the country <laughs> by myself. My, this is my <laughs> my story. As I packed up my cat and my skis and my Honda CRV, and I drove from New England to Colorado at the age of eighteen, and I'll tell you, I mean, it was, it was, I could not wait to get there. Yeah. I mean, I had been dreaming of it since I was probably fifteen. Yeah. Want, wanting to move, wanting to just that sense of freedom and adventure and being able to go off on my own. And, mm-hmm. and my mom actually drove with me. And I remember she, she, when we got here, she was like, I felt this feeling of like, why is she still here? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be free finally, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and as I've, as I've grown and developed that, uh, f- that freedom has evolved into, me creating a business, a community, um, relationships in my community, relationships with with people in my close circle that um, are really helping me to just design the life that I've always dreamed of, right? Yeah. But there were some hiccups along the way. <laughs> there were several hiccups that stalled that growth, that stalled that evolution. And over the last I would say three years of my life, I've really been, um, we've made a lot of progress. Mm-hmm. We made a lot of progress in that dream. It's amazing how quickly things can change when you align yourself in the right circumstance, uh, to, to, you know, go, go after your passion and not hold yourself back from what it is that you feel truly called to do. There's that idea of like, there's so many people out there who are 
you know, working their nine to five job because of the safety and the security versus deciding like I am going to, even if it's like slowly, but surely over time, just work on creating things. So we all, you know, I think go through experiences that slow down our growth or hinder our ability to align with our fullest potential. One of those things for me happened to be a relationship, <laughs> um, which I mean, it makes sense, you know, especially after this last few years of therapy, recognizing like, you know, oh, I, I married my father. Oof. Yeah. 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 Um, familiar. It's a, it was a familiar, yeah, it was a mm -hmm. familiar feeling. And um, whereas again, you know, I have a great relationship with my father as well. Um, not nearly as much narcissistic <laughs> behavior. Um, you know, again, we said like there's different levels to yeah. this, but it yeah. was still, there was a familiarity, you know, my dad was, was very busy. Again, I don't resent him for that, but in my younger years, my dad was very busy with work. He was very stressed out. He let things, you know, react, create this reaction in him, anger, feelings of being upset, um, all that stuff felt very normal. So when I experienced that in this relationship early on, to me, I think, you know, my subconscious mind said, this is familiar. This yeah. is normal. This is okay. This means he loves me. Well, this there's comfort. Yeah. There's comfort in the familiar. And yeah. that's, that's why we find ourselves in relationships with our parents because, <laughs> or people, <laughs> people who replicate our parents, because it's like, part of me feels safe here, even though this isn't a safe environment. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and here's the thing about it. My parents have been married for 30 years they're still married. They're happily married. They're still in love with each other. And it's beautiful. Yeah. My dad has been able to take responsibility for, you know, we've had conversations about where he went wrong as a parent when we were younger. And that is so that's, that's honorable. That's forgiving. Yeah. Um, unfortunately it's when, when the person has zero ability to have feel a sense of remorse. Yeah or accountability for their actions. Um, and so that was my experience. That was my experience when um, I met this person who was swept me off my feet. Mm. He made me feel just so special and so important. Mm. And meanwhile, the entire time, this person, I felt like I found the absolute love of my life. He was sleeping with a girl down the hall in our apartment building and was like, Hey, I'm going to go out for a beer for a couple hours. Wow. And then would come back. And, you know, I had had, I, up until Ryan, the amazing, wonderful, spectacular human that I'm with today, yeah. I'd been cheated on by every boyfriend I've ever had. <sighs> it makes you wonder. It's like, was there something really wrong with me or was it, you know, it, it was, more of who I was choosing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my father was never, he was never a cheater, but he was, he displayed all of the characteristics of an avoidant personality. Mm -hmm. And typically I think that goes hand in hand with, a, with avoidant personalities is cheating. Yeah. And so, yeah, again, just, just that familiarity. And so from that point forward, you know, or I should say, when I met my ex, I was actually trying to sell him uh, bulletproof window glass. He worked for a car dealership. So that, that doesn't speak to my creator. I was like, yeah, you know, this guy's cute. I, you know, he seems 
you know, <laughs> some like somebody I would date and I was totally into him, but I was like, I'm still going to try to, you know, sell him on these bulletproof because that was my focus. You know, I was yeah. always like, I had a, a friend whose son started this company and he was growing the company and I wanted to be a part of it. It felt really exciting to me. I wanted to be a part of that. So so, uh, yeah, you know, that was my focus at the time. I was also going to massage therapy school. I was working a ton. I was building my life. I was doing what anybody would be doing at mm -hmm. 20 years old. Yeah. And then quickly things just felt like a roller coaster, which again, that familiarity, because even though in a different context, when I was younger, that's really how it was. I mean, it was up and down all the time, unpredictable outbursts of anger and emotion and yelling and screaming. And so after meeting him, two months after meeting him, we moved to Washington state where, um, I found out in a couple months that I was being cheated on again mm -hmm. by mul with multiple women. Um, at that point we were living with his mom, um, it was kind of that transition because he lost his job in Colorado. So it was this like frantic, I have to move. I want you to come with me. I'm in love with you. We move in. We live there for six months and um, I'm being cheated on the entire time. Mm -hmm. um, during that season, I find out that I'm pregnant with my first daughter. So it was very emotional. It was very emotional. It was very devastating. Yeah. Um, a lot of hurt, a lot of resentment, a lot of resentment packed in there. And, um, to be honest with you, I know, cause I know that this podcast is, is really mostly about, you know, living awake and identifying mm -hmm. at what point in your life that you felt asleep. I saw that in yeah. your little notes in there. So, yeah. um, I would say that was probably the moment where I shut down. Yeah. I shut down. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't even say I felt resentment. I, I mean, I know it was there. Mm -hmm. It's obviously there, but to be honest with you. I don't remember. There's a lot between those few years that were just blackout. Yeah. It sounds like the freeze of fight, flight, or freeze, right? You went into yeah. a survival mode where yeah. it was too much to, to yeah. try to make sense of or to handle. So part of you just like yep. went, went to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. Mm -hmm. And that is where I think he, he started to turn to, he lost it yeah, because he, he couldn't handle the fact that I wasn't fully in love with him. Yeah. And so there was that desperate need for assurance that I just could not, I could not give. Yeah. So naturally we're living in a very toxic, unhealthy relationship <laughs> Yeah, about to have a baby. I get proposed to, we have a wedding and I'll never forget. I will never forget this. And this is hard. This is really hard. But I, um, I remember walking down the aisle. I'm think four months pregnant at this point. <laughs> so just, you know, I was tiny. It was really my second daughter. It was like pop. I was, you know, big, but you can see a little bit in the wedding photos. Um, I'm definitely pregnant, but still pretty tiny. And I'm walking down the aisle with my dad and I was prepared to say vows. I had written them. I had rehearsed them. And as I'm walking down the aisle, this voice pops into my head. So clear so clear. You will be divorced in three years. Mm 
Wow. You will be separating and leaving this man. You will be divorced in three years. And I got up to the aisle and I just froze. I couldn't say anything. I didn't say my vows. So he said his and I didn't say mine. Yeah. I wow. can't even imagine what everyone in the, <laughs> in the stands were thinking. Like we had it but on video. Um, there were people from family members from across the country watching. Oh my gosh. Wow. Mm. Your poor yeah. like nervous system was just like, <laughs> we're taking over. We are going down. It was like living in a, I don't know, like it just an altered reality. Like it just didn't, it didn't even feel real. I just, I felt like a puppet. I was just doing yeah. what I was supposed to do. Yeah, You know, there's that sense of Catholic guilt. I think that I've had that I've had to unravel. Um, we, I was raised New England, small Connecticut town. Um, Catholicism is pretty much the, the, maybe not so much anymore, but at least growing up, that was, mm. um, that was the foundation of our family. We're a big Italian family. Yeah. And wow. so there was that sense of guilt, especially getting pregnant out of wedlock. You got to do what you're meant to do. My grandmother flew out um, from New England to the wedding in Washington as a surprise. Um, she actually ended up passing away a few months afterwards. Oh, wow. um, so it was like that special, you know, we got grandma out. I did what I was supposed to do. I remember feeling that like, <sighs> I did it. You know, I, yeah. I made everything right, even though I made a mistake and I'm sure grandma's still proud of me. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, living I, for can, others. I can imagine that like when you had that thought pop in your head of you're going to be divorced in three years, was, was that also followed by like a, a panic or a fear of like, I shouldn't be doing this? Well, <sighs> yes, absolutely. It more of just an awkward, uncomfortable what am I doing? You know, but I'm just going to ignore those feelings and just yeah. keep, because what am I going to do now? You know, right. the day before the wedding, there was an incident. Um, there'd been a lot of incidents. I mean, don't get me wrong. There'd been a lot, but the day before the wedding, there was an incident where, um, I had a, I had a little orange cat. We actually had two of them, uh, Suki and Oscar mm -hmm. and Suki had ended up disappearing. They went outside uh, and he came back and she didn't. So we had Oscar for a couple years after maybe a few years. Yeah. After the incident. Um, and this one day, I can't recall why or what happened. Some type of anger out outburst. He picked up the cat, threw it across the room mm -hmm. and it hit against the fireplace and essentially dislocated his rib cage. Oh, the poor little guy was just limping. His whole rib cage was like sideways. And somehow I did like little kitty cat chiropractic adjustment. Oh. I don't even know how I did it. It was just like, this is not, wow. this is not normal. This is not right. And it set back in place. Wow. Might've even broke his spine. I don't know. I, Again, I was so asleep at that time. It was like, yeah. you know, he seems okay. He's not crying anymore. So we're just going to move on with life. Ignore it. Well, um, I had a counselor. We had a marital counselor. And I called him that day. And there, as I mentioned, there was a lot of incidents that had come to him for in the past that he had sometimes, you know, for he was a theological counselor as well. So, you know, there was that 
sense of marriage is a holy unity and God brought you together for a reason. So we're going to figure out a solution. But then there were some red flags that started to come up where he pulled me to the side and was like, this is not normal. Okay. I realized this yeah. is not normal. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, well, what am I going to do about now? You know? And he was the, he was our efficient. He actually was who we chose to marry us. Mm. And uh, I called him the day before the wedding and I said to him, I, I told him the story of what happened. And he said to me, Jamie, you do not have to go through with this. Wow. You, you realize you don't have to get married. And I remember saying to him on the phone, I'm like, it's too late. It's too late. Mm. I can't say no now. Thank you. And I remember just being very like, just feeling so vulnerable. Yeah. I bet. Oh my gosh. So weak. So trapped. Just, mm -hmm. there's no choice. No, of course I have to get married. I'm pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that trapped is like an understatement. I think in so many ways of like, of course there could have been other roads to take in that, but I understand in that moment of like when you're in a stress response and you're frozen and you're dissociating, like yeah. there's very narrow ability to problem solve. So to I'm just keep vision. going and put, put your foot in front of the other and walk, literally walk down the aisle. Like <laughs> I understand why you did it for sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Right? Yeah. It all makes sense. Yeah. And he was also the same person that I called three years later as I was sitting on the floor of my, our, our house sobbing the house mm -hmm. where I had a state restraining order filed. However, I'd been also manipulated for months that if I were to show up on the property, I would go to jail because I would be in violation of the restraining order. <laughs> so there's that part of the story. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know if we'll have enough time to get into all of that today, <laughs> but um, yeah, I sitting on the floor sobbing, there's beer cans overflowing out of every garbage can. There's women's soiled underwear on mm. a air mattress in the living room with my daughter's toys all around and dirty wine glasses at the sink and just dust everywhere that, I mean, it was, it was devastating. It was devastating. Still holes in the walls from all of the outbursts. Um, and I called him and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? And he's like, if, if you need a blessing, this is it in the name yeah. of the father of the son, the Holy spirit, Yeah, you can leave. It's okay go. to leave. <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah. Your marriage is over. Yeah. And I needed that. Yeah. I needed somebody to say that to me. I needed somebody to tell me that it was okay, mm -hmm. that I didn't have to keep hanging on. And, you know, in light of that discussion of resp taking responsibility, there was also a lot that happened throughout that time that I did that I'm not proud of. Yeah. While living asleep. Yeah. And and it's unfortunate because I look back at that time that I, and I go, wow, you know, there were so many decisions that I made, so many things that I did that I was just really off living in fairy tale la la land when mm -hmm. I 
could have been leaving. Yes. <laughs> I could have been working on myself. I could have been yeah. going after my dream. I could have been getting stable. Yeah. But it, you know, there's that sense of fear. There was, you know, the constant suicidal threats. If you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. And so there's a lot of that embedded into that, that it's like, well, I can't leave, but I'm unhappy. So what am I going to do about it? Yeah, Look for the, the, the closest sense of um, serotonin and adrenaline and yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, that, alcohol. Yeah. Whatever you can do to numb, numb the reality. That's right. And that fantasy place, I, I call that potential land. And ah, yeah. To me, in my escapism from reality, it was like, that was the place that I went to where I could hope that things would change. It's like, yeah. oh, he will go to therapy and then he will start to see his shit and then he will take accountability and then we'll be okay. And then we'll be able to get married and, you know, this won't be painful anymore. So if I was living there in that place of hope, then I didn't have to be in reality where it was like, all signs point to him not doing any of those things, not caring to do any of those things. But I wasn't ready to see it yet. I wasn't ready to, to acknowledge what that meant. Yeah. Because leaving was really scary. Like yeah. that whole process of what is that going to be? And what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And is he going to be violent? Is he going, you know, all of those things were it was too much. And my brain was just like, we're going to dissociate over here. We're going to stay in, in potential land. That's right. Potential land. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What a place to be. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, it's not, not, a much, not much place. actual potential there. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite deceiving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not the solution for sure, but it is. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. So while you were in this, I'm just going to go on a limb let's and say, go, let's go deep. Yeah. <laughs> you are not creating, you are not living your purpose of, of that drive of selling the bullet, bulletproof glass. Like I can just imagine you <laughs> with so much energy and excitement and like, you know, desire to help your friend grow his business and that ambition and that mode, like motivation to then be in a relationship where like literally all of your, your energy, your sense of self, your worth, your confidence is just sucked out of you. Forced to play small. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like going from such a big, a big place to such a small place? Well, kind of like we said, you know, evolution, evolution can happen in two different directions. You're either going to live out your life's purpose and break generational cycles and become fully awake or you're going to go in the complete opposite direction. Yeah. And here's the thing that I think is really beautiful about my story is that I never fully lost that sense of drive. Mm. It was like the one thing that I had to hang on to between that and being a mom and knowing, you know, I wanted to, I wanted her to see that I tried and so unfortunately, however, when you're in that circumstances, that circumstance, you enter survival survival mode. And yeah. so during that season is actually when I got my real estate license, which I held for eight years up until this last year when I fully stepped into my passion nice. as an online business coach. 
Uh, but there was a long period of time where I was just a hustle. I mean, I was just in a, a pure hustle mode. So very, very toxic, very unhealthy relationship with my work. I was doing it out of desperation. Obviously I was in a desperate situation. And so yeah. that reflected in my job and, um, you know, I think I did the, I did the best that I could in the beginning of my career, but the year that I left, I made, so actually I'll back up. I had maybe made anywhere from $12,000 to $25,000 in a year mm -hmm. with my real estate career. Not a ton, you know, yeah. not a ton. I, I, um, Maybe even a little more. Maybe I think there was one year where I made like forty thousand dollars, and then and then we did the house flipping season right at the very end of the relationship. Oh, <laughs> don't oh flip, <laughs> don't flip a house with your soon to be ex. That's not a, <laughs> not not a recommendation. Yeah. Um, but the year that I left, the year that I fully stepped out onto my own, I'm going to be a single mom, got my own house, went after it, I made one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Wow big difference. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. You know, and part of that was like, I, I mean, I, I was just grinding. I was like, I'm going to do whatever it is that I can possibly do. Yeah. Make this work. But it was also that sense of freedom and the ability to start manifesting my mm -hmm. new reality and believing in that, believing in myself. That yeah. was, that was it. That was the key. That was something that I didn't have. I had somebody, you know, for the longest time trying to make a career work, um, which in, in the career of real estate, you, you gotta, you gotta sit on, on meetings. You gotta go to coffee dates. You've gotta start building relationships in your community. And any attempt to do that was sabotage between stalking me at appointments, sitting in the parking lot at the coffee shops and texting me the whole time. And, that happened many times, many yeah. times to actually calling clients on the phone and asking them who they are and, and drilling them with questions, making them feel un uncomfortable. So I would lose that, that client relationship and lose that deal. Yeah. So, um, there was a lot of that throughout that, <clears throat> that season of life. And so the, obviously the freedom without somebody being able to sabotage those opportunities as well as my inner sense of freedom and mm -hmm. belief in myself. And, you know, instead of having somebody constantly telling me, well, you're not organized enough. You'll never be successful. This is a waste of your time. Why can't you just be a mom? Yeah. You start to believe she, that. Is she not good enough for you? That was, that was a common yeah. one. I still get that. <laughs> she not good enough for you. Yeah. Anything that they can do to chip away your sense of self. That's right. And it's when we can start to see that hopefully in the relationship, right. To, you know, as you're starting to see the red flags up here and you're like, oh, he's saying these things to keep control of me, not because these things are true. And when you can step outside of the truth of those things, that frees you from, from so much, because when we're fed that shit over and over and over again, that becomes our dialogue. And then we start telling our own self that shit when, you know, we just believe it. Yeah. Which makes it even harder to leave, which is part of the, the game that they're playing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I don't know if I answered your question fully. Yeah. That might've been one of those gone off on a tangent. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, love tangents, but I think to your point about like not only not being in the environment where he's feeding you those things, but when we're in those types of relationships, all of our energy is on either surviving or not rocking the boat so that we don't cause a fight so that we can survive or taking care of the daughter, making sure she's okay so that we're surviving. Like it's just survival. There's yeah. not, there's not excess energy that we can put towards passion or, you know, building a life for yourself. Like it's, it's much yeah. harder to make that money and build that, that career when all of it, all of your energy is being sucked from underneath. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah. It's, <sighs> yeah, it, it, it's that, that, that moment in between stepping into being awake. That is, it's so hard. It's so hard to do. And that's where a lot of people in these types of relationships stay for so long. Yes. And they allow the behavior to continue. Yeah. And, and it's that boy who cried wolf, that mm -hmm. idea of, and it's really unfortunate. I don't know if you've experienced with the, the court system and enabling family members and things. It's like, well, if it was that bad, why'd you stay? Right. Oh God. The, That's the not court, the point. It's all, <laughs> it's all re-traumatizing. <laughs> Any part of the court system is re-traumatizing. It's very traumatizing. Yes. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Yeah. The, so. the, what I hope from this podcast is that by sharing people's stories of how they have reclaimed their life and their light after leaving will help women who are in it be able to come to that moment more easily because of yeah. course you're going to believe if you've been fed that you're not worth anything and that nobody's going to ever want you. Nobody's going to give you a love like this. Like this is real love. You've just never experienced this before. Of course, you're yeah. going to believe that anything on the other side of this relationship is going to be scary and hard and painful. When in reality, in every, every case that I've been witness to in conversations or my own or with clients, it's like, when you leave your whole world opens up and you, it's hard to believe in that blind faith when you're again, being fed all of this stuff that you believe is true. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You're, you're in it. You're in it. Yeah. Um, and I just love the work that you're doing here. Mm. This is, it's so needed. Um, I really, I view the people like yourself that are willing to step out and, create a platform for people to heal because talking is healing. That's why therapy exists. Yeah. yeah. Therapy yeah. is a thing. Um, it's so brave. Mm. It's so brave. And it, it really takes, it takes a lot to not just to step out on your own and, and break away from the cycle of whether it's just you, your generation, or it's been a part of your lineage for mm -hmm. hundreds of years or yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. It there's still there's a sense of bravery yeah. that that has to take place when yeah. when you decide to break the cycle. And then there's that I think that next level of healing where some of us decide that this needs to be talked about more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you're doing that. Yeah. Thank you. It's amazing. Thank you. 
I want to, I want to help women feel less ashamed and less embarrassed. That's the number one thing I hear from clients where they're just like, I can't believe I, I stayed. I can't believe I allowed this to happen. And hindsight is a bitch because it's like, well, you can see it now, but you didn't see it then. And so how do we, how do we meet your, your past self with compassion and help to heal those places that kept you in the relationship and understand those places and reduce the shame. Like there's, there's just so much, every, every experience, every woman that comes out of this is just like dripping in, in embarrassment about it. Yeah. So it is so not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about it, hearing other people, it's just like that. You're not alone in this. This And a lot of these badass women have reinvented themselves, recreated themselves, like are in thriving, healthy relationships. Like it's possible. All of this is possible. All of this is possible. And as much as you're being fed that it's not, and that you're worthless and all the things it's like, how can you start listening to things like this podcast or other podcasts where it's, it's truth of women who have made it through. Yeah. And all it takes is being willing to open your mind to the idea that it is possible. And I'm honored. I'm honestly, I'm honored and a little emotional to be sitting here with you today Mm. and saying that I am finally on the other side. I'm no longer a victim to that cycle. The, the, the cycle has been broken. Yeah. And that is really exciting. Something it's really be, exciting. Yeah. Something to, to be very proud of too, Jamie. That's, that's huge. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to, to be able to hopefully set an example for all the women that are in abusive relationships or narcissistic relationships, whether that be with a romantic partner or a parent, Yeah. Um, to know that you are not chained by the belief system that you have and your current circumstances, a lot can change in a very short amount of time. It may feel for a while like it's you're climbing out of a hundred foot hole by yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) And somebody's throwing sticks at you from the top and it's like, you know, trying to dodge them and you're like, yeah, you can see the light. It's almost there. Um, yeah, it's not an easy journey, yeah. but it is so fucking worth it. So yeah. fucking worth it. <laughs> I want to circle back to something you said. Um, I think when you were on the phone with with your your spiritual advisor, <laughs> or I don't know what his his, his title is, yeah. Um, yeah. where you were like, I wanted my daughter to know that I didn't give up or that I tried everything that I could. And I hope... I hope that women can start to see these experiences as I want my daughter to see the strength that it took to, to make myself safe or to put myself first because staying in something that's abusive or you're unhappy in any, any regard yeah. is not serving you or them. Yeah. And I hope that as women start to, to shift their, their, thinking around these types of things. It's like, no, the strength is in the the divorce. The strength is in walking away and putting the restraining order. Like when you're with someone who isn't safe, that's the fucking strength. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's, um, 
realization of this this is my this is my responsibility to take care of me there's that belief when you are in one of these relationships that if you are taking care of yourself you're selfish and if the focus isn't all on them and how you can serve them and make their life better then there's something wrong with you yeah and so how many women are out there just people pleasing living to serve others i mean think about the way that i chose to marry even though i would it was yeah. evident even my fucking pastor my fucking efficient told me not to do it you needed to please grandma and i still was like but grandma's coming yeah. <laughs> like what <laughs> You know, so yeah. yeah, there's that transition that happens when you decide, and that's the beautiful thing about having daughters. I'm so grateful. I was meant to be a girl mom. I was yeah. meant to be a girl mom because it's showing me what I have to break for them, yeah, and who I have to become. And I'm showing them that you can't show up as your fullest self unless you take care of you, and only you can decide what you need nobody else can tell you yeah. oh well you need to do more of this you need to do more of that yeah. no that's that's on you and sometimes it's sometimes it's a five minute cry sash in the in the bathroom <laughs> somebody came up with another name for it oh I can't think of what it's called but it was hilarious it's like <laughs> a new name for the bathroom it's like a like a sacred like this is my <laughs> I can't if I think of it I'll send it to you okay that's amazing. but yeah, sometimes sometimes you need a, a cry sesh. Yeah. In in yeah. the bathroom stall. Sometimes you need to go take a drive on your own. Yeah. Sometimes you need to be able to put your head in your work for a little while and your creative and let your creative energy flow so you get that sense of fulfillment. Like yeah. I just need an hour. You know, lock the door. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm I'm so excited for children that are growing up with parents who are actively doing their work. Absolutely. Like, I've, I've just witnessed some people parenting where they're, you know, they're again on their kids level. They're talking to them like a human. They're not telling them to shut up. And, you know, because I said so, and, and I, I know our parents were just doing what they were modeled. Like, and I'm so excited that this generation is learning a new model. Yeah. Because like these kids are going to have some kind of trauma and some kind of shit from it. I'm sure of it, but like not the same ancestral things, hopefully that are being that, you know, we're just unconsciously Absolutely. passed down. Yeah. We'll, we'll fuck up in our own unique yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. It'll, it'll happen. Yeah. Um. But the point, the point of it all is that we're trying. Yes. And we, I think our generation, something that we have, are doing a really fucking good job at is this realization that we have a duty to break the cycle. Yeah. This is not like a, our parents had the same thing. This yeah. is just, this is, this is the evolution of humanity. Yeah. And, and we just happen to be in, in this wave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's our job to, to elevate the consciousness as best as we can while we're here. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty simple. Yeah. I think all generations have had that opportunity, like that, um, like, yes, we need to break it, but ours, like you said, is we've got the tools. We've yeah. got the tools to actually be able to do it and to, yeah. to 
to step outside of this little comfort zone of dysfunction that we've been yeah. like live homesteading in for all of these, these generations. Exactly. It's really, it's really cool. And it's a really big honor for those of us who choose to, to dive into that. Um, right. and for your kids, yes, but also for you, like for you to experience a life that is different and awake. Fulfilling. And, yes. Yeah. Like, what is the point if we're not feeling yeah. that in our life? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What is yeah. the point? That's the great, that's the million dollar question. Yeah. Right. I, I love what you said, you know, it's exciting for the next generation. I'm excited for my daughters. And I had this big realization, um, over this last week, last week was as I, as you are aware, I have a local community business, which as we're dreaming it up could eventually turn into something much bigger than we even realize. And it really kind of happened by accident. But, oh, uh, last week, last Thursday night, we held our end of year gala. It was our end of year event. Uh, we had close to 130 women show up to this event. We had dining tables, um, candles lit, we had a videographer and a photographer. We actually just got the photos back this morning. It was beautiful. It was surreal to see something play out so beautifully. That's I, not alone, of course. I have a partner. I have a team. Yeah. We put on together. And to watch all these women, you know, this our motivational speaker put on such a magnificent speech. And uh, we had, it was sort of a workshop style. So a lot of the women there were, were journaling throughout the event and taking notes mm -hmm. and I'm standing up there and just watching it happen. Mm -hmm. And I, and I thought I had this moment while I was standing up there of realizing like my daughter could be the next to run this. Wow. You know, she hasn't come to one of those events yet. We actually did have a little one come. We had, um, Miss Heidi Camus, who's, uh, the wife of dude, dad. I don't know oh. if you're familiar with him. He's, no. he's got, a, he's got a big follow. He's a big YouTuber. Um, okay. He's got, I mean, I think close to a million Instagram subscribers. Yeah. I see Wow. He's got a big following. Yeah. Um, super funny videos. And he, they just uh, recently moved to Colorado from California and with their little family, I think they have about four kids and uh, she came to our event. She actually brought her daughter and <laughs> She was so cute. I'll tell you this quick little story of her. She was so cute. I went over to her and I said, hi, sweet. It's so funny because it's like we've got these all these adult grown women dressed to the nines at this big gal. And then we've got this cute little six or seven. I think she was maybe seven year old little girl. And she's just sitting there with a bucket of candy in front of her. And I went up to her and I said, hi, sweetie. How are you doing? You, you having a fun night? And she leans in really close and she goes, have you been a good girl this year? <laughs> I was like, I, I, I think so, <laughs> you know, I've been doing my best. That's for sure. And she pulls out a piece of candy and then just like sneakily slides it over on the table. Here, <laughs> Amazing. It was great. It was great. But, you know, I think between having her there um, and just like, you know, this surreal moment of realizing like, wow, here I am like impacting all these women's lives. And we're not just doing this for us. We're doing this for our future generation. Yeah. And thinking, you know, I think the next event, we're going to try to set it up so that my daughter can come and be a part of it. And she knows mom puts on these big extravagant events several times a year. And I get yeah. all dressed up and it's a big orchestra, orchestration, whatever the word is for that. Yeah. And 
um, but she doesn't really have, you know, she hasn't experienced it. Um, and so I, I think, you know, the time, the right time will come for her to experience it, Mm -hmm. but just, you know, having leading with that understanding of, you know, this, we're not just doing this to dress up once a quarter and drink champagne. This is we're we're, we're changing our lives so we can change the lives of future generations. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That that changes everything. (laughs) Changes everything. Oh my God. Thank you for the work that you're, that you're doing. And it's just so it's the ripple effect, you know, it's just you choosing that one courageous step has allowed you to enter this pool where you're creating ripple of touching so many women, probably more than you even will ever know. That's probably right. Yeah. You're probably, I mean, we hear it all the time in in the community. I mean, I've had, I've been like getting my hair done and a woman's like, you look really familiar. Do I know you from somewhere? And then my stylist is like, oh, she is with Milka Women in Business. And they're like, oh my God, I know them. That's so cool. And it's like, it's just cool to be out there and people are like, you know, start to recognize the work that you're in. They thank you too. They're like, wow, yeah. thank you. I, I attended one of your events. And because of that event, I met this person and now yeah. we're lifelong friends. And I, or I started my business because I was inspired so much to go after my dream. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so cool. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, we could talk forever, <laughs> but the way that I like to wrap these up is by pulling an Oracle card. Oh, I love this. So I would love for you to help if you're open to it. So So go ahead and close your eyes and just tune into the energy of the deck, the energy of the shuffle. If you have any thoughts, intentions, just place them in your mind's eye. Whenever you feel like the shuffle is complete, just tell me when to stop. Okay. You can open your eyes. Look up precious is what we got. Oh, it's kind of a little bit of a scary looking card. (laughs) Red, red tears coming out of, (laughs) out of a woman's eyes. I'm going to read the, I'm going to read what it says here. Look up precious. Shame doesn't live here. Raise your eyes and stand tall. Others may have hurt you or sent you messages that you are not enough. They were wrong. You are enough. You are lovable. You are whole. Look up precious reminds you that you are worthy. No need to cast your gaze down any longer. Raise your eyes and find your balance. Be courageous and be bold. Look around you and see your place. Look up precious gives you the ability to spin and dance with a 360 degree view of this world where you are perfectly placed and perfectly whole. Wow. They're always spot on. (laughs) You know, what a beautiful just message to relate to exactly what we've been talking about here today, Mm -hmm. but also what keeps coming to mind for me as you read that was even subconsciously, I think I wanted you to pull that, not just for me, but for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. There was this, like, I've had, had this kind of like message circling, circling that, that message is not just for me. Yeah. That's, that's for a lot of women. Yeah. You get to be the conduit to help yeah. choose the card, but the, the message is for anybody who's listening. Like this that's is right. If you're here, you're meant to be here. You're meant to hear that in this moment. Exactly. And I, I believe that 
deeply. I believe that too. That's beautiful. (laughs) Well, Jamie, is there anything that you want to leave the audience with on where they can find you? Any, anything that you want to want to plug as we end? Oh, thank you. You know, I guess we could end this with, um, mentioning my focus for 2024 is leadership. And so I'm taking a big leap in my life and my business and stepping into the role of becoming a leader. Mm -hmm. So my intention, my focus for 2024 is leadership. And my word of the year is become. Ooh. Yeah, I know. We actually pulled that at the event last week. Um, all of us chose our word and those were the, the word that st- stood out to me was become. And my focus for the year is leader is being a leader. And so, you know, it, I would say if anyone that's listening can relate and has the aspiration to whether that be in the coaching space, um, that's my sort of my primary uh, target audience, if you will, um, mm-hmm. is to help coaches and creatives step into their role as a leader. And that can manifest in speaking, that can manifest in developing an online course that can manifest into creating a podcast of your own. So there's gonna be a lot of things that we're we're doing over this next year to really put a focus on leadership. And, and if that aligns with you, I'd love to have you follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is uh, Jamie Madsen official. Um, I don't know if you put that in the little show notes or something. Yeah. yeah, I'll link it all. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and I'd be honored. I'd be honored to have you as a part of my community. So. Ooh, become is so becoming is the name of my group coaching program. And I fell in love with it. Becoming is the name of my group coaching and awakening is the name of my individual coaching. And it's like, yeah, because we're becoming the women that we want to be. We're becoming the best version of ourselves and what that looks like in this iteration, this moment. Um, so love that. Beautiful. Love that for you. Great work, sis. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, Jamie, it was such a pleasure. Thank you for taking your time and vulnerably sharing your story. I know this this platform hasn't been one that you have has shared on before. So I've really really feel honored that you trust me and the audience and want to want to spread your truth. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the space and the time. I'm I'm honored. So hopefully we'll have a chance to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and for all of those of you who are listening, if this ep- episode resonated, please give us a five-star review. It helps for other women to find the podcast. And as always, share this with a girlfriend who might be in need, who might need that extra little bit of support. We appreciate you. And until next time, we'll say goodbye for now. (laughs) Bye-bye. A reminder that enrollment is happening now through January for my group coaching container, Becoming. And there's only four spaces available. If you want to submit your interest form, please go to briwalta.com slash becoming. You can also click through the link in the show notes.